A flat on the first one, right? This morning, I like that. Welcome to Harmony. It is great to have you here. It is great to be here with you. I'm really excited to be here today. I hope you are too. Um, we serve a mighty God, an awesome God, an amazing God who proves himself over and over and over. And he is from everlasting to everlasting. He is strong, he is powerful, and in spite of our weakness, in spite of our brokenness, he sent his son <laughs> to die for us so that we can come to him, that we can be known by him and to know him, and, and that's why I'm excited. I don't know, I'm, aren't you? <laughs> so join us as we sing Everlasting God. As we wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord, we will wait upon the Lord. Strength will 
rises, we wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you reign forever. Our hope, our strong Oh, 
It's who you are. 
You are perfect. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect and you are good, Lord. We lift up your name this morning. We praise you. We love you. Thank you for who you are. Our good Father, our Savior, our Redeemer, our friend. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, your love, which finds us where we are and rescues us. Thank you, Lord. Top. There in the everyday and the mundane There in the sorrow and the dancing Your great grace Oh, such grace From the creation to the cross There from the cross into eternity Your grace finds me Yes, your grace finds me It's there on the wedding day There in the weeping by the graveside there in the very breath we breathe Your great grace The same for the rich and poor The same for the saint and for the sinner Enough for this whole wide world Your great grace such grace from the creation to the cross there from the cross into eternity your grace finds me yes your grace finds me There in the darkest night of the soul It's there in the sweetest songs of victory Your grace finds me Yes, your grace finds me Your great grace 
grace, your great grace, oh such grace. Sing for the rich and poor. Sing for the and for the sinner. Enough for the soul wide world. Your great grace. Oh, such grace. Oh, Thank you, Lord. Thank you that your grace finds us. Thank you. Your amazing grace.
are a moment. We are a moment. You are forever. Lord of the ages, God before time. We are a vapor. You are eternal. Love everlasting. Reigning on high. Holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Highest praises, honor, and glory be unto your name. Praise his honor and glory be unto your name, our great God. Amen. You may be seated, kingdom kids. You are dismissed, ages three to third grade. Head right out those doors. Good morning, Saints. Good to see you this morning. And I'm going to ask the uh, ushers to come forward. We're going to worship the Lord with giving and then uh, share a little housekeeping, internal uh, announcement. That's what they're called, announcements, really. But I like to make it sound cool. Is that all right? And I, I guess it'll be all right. We ready? Let's worship the Lord. Lord, we praise Thee, Lord God Almighty, holy, holy. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Lord, it's hard for me to sing that. I'm looking at the table, which is supposed to remind us of the Lamb that was slain. Just made the news, God, that a a gendarme in France replaced his body for a hostage and uh, he lost his life in the process. And we laud that as heroism, and it is. But our Savior, the perfect, sinless Lamb of God, was sacrificed so that we might have life. He's the hero of all heroes throughout eternity. 
Worthy is the lamb that was slain. And so we worship him this morning. And uh, our worship, both our singing, our giving, our serving, is never even remotely on the radar as a payback. It's, it's pathetic by comparison. And yet you give us the joy of participating in your business, uh, even though that's undeserved. Another example of grace illustrated. We thank you, God. We worship you today. As we give, um, bless those who serve you uh, faithfully with their substance. We come before you as a body of believers who need your help day by day. We sang the song, we're breathing in your grace. We're singing out your praise, but we're constantly needing to breathe in your grace in order order to walk in a way that is honorable to you and, and healthy for us. I pray for those in the room today who have experienced and are experiencing grief and hardship and difficulty, God, that you would extend your grace to them in a special way. Sustain them. Bless them. Lord, as we worship you with giving and as we worship with listening and as we worship around the table and give you honor, be pleased. Receive glory to yourself. It's not enough. It's not sufficient. But receive glory and be pleased. We'll thank you for helping. In the name of Jesus, we pray together as God's people. And they all said, amen Amen and amen. God bless you. Off you go. Thank you. So we're glad you're here today on this kind of uh, gray Sunday after all the heat. It's a little bit of a relief, don't you think? Get some coffee and uh, get ready for service here. All right. Uh, I want to welcome you. If you're here for the very first time, there is a little piece of paper in one of the seats in front of you. If not, ask one of your neighbors to find one. They'll be in there. And uh, fill that out and turn it in. You can either put in the offering plate, drop it in the box out there uh, in the foyer on the right-hand side, or give it to any of the people that look like they know what they're doing, which may be very few of us, I guess, but uh, just do that. We'd love to have a record of you being with us, and we are, we're not nags. We just want to be available to you on your spiritual journey in any way that we can help you either know Christ or move ahead on it or maybe just ask questions, what is this all about? So let me mention a few announcements this morning. It's going to take a couple of minutes, and that's why I called it housekeeping. I want to thank uh, Terry Lucas, who jump-started our uh, children's ministry last year. She has stepped down. It's time for her to start relaxing. You know, once you're in your doctorate, you're supposed to be able to relax a little bit. I don't know what went wrong with me, but with her, it's working. And uh, so she's going to be helping in other ways. But we're looking for some assistance. We want to say first, children's ministry has a point person. You probably know who she is. Well, even if I haven't told you yet, you're going to know who she is. So Jody Babick is part of the team. And you might be thinking, well, she's overloaded. There is a team. And let me mention who they are. My wife, let me get all my Kates and Hoppers right. Kate Hopper, as in married to Mike Hopper, and Katie Lucas Hopper, as in another Hopper. Hopper Lucas Hopper, Hopper Lucas. Why don't you stand up, just so people know who you all are, okay? And Sherry, I think they may hope to stand up anyway. It's the only time I can boss her around, otherwise it's the other way around, you know. 
And uh, so that's the team. You can talk to those people uh, and pass on data. If you need a point person anytime during the week, you know uh, Jody mans the phones, and she was willing, and I watch out for her because this lady really overdoes it for us. I don't know if you're aware of it, and uh, thank her when you get the opportunity, all right? She really does. So that's children's ministry. Along with that, uh, we need another person to help administrate maybe with uh, Awana. So those of you who are wondering, you know, I like kids, I'd like to work with kids or whatever, uh, just explore that, if you will. Number two, there is, speaking of Jody, child protection training on Saturday, May 19, 2018, 10 a.m., If you have not had this training and will be working with our children and or youth, this class is mandatory. That means you have to take it. Boy, it's a rough morning right here. (laughs) Mandatory means you have to take it. Please call the church office to sign up. And by the way, those things are important in the day and age in which we live. And we have these sign-ups. I know sometimes getting used to the sign-up electronically is a little inconvenient. We set it up in our large church up north, and uh, it was inconvenient for a while, but all I had to say at one point, so you'll be happy when one of your children is swiped out of the children's ministry. You'll be happy because you didn't have to sign up. So let's enjoy making the system work as best as we can because we want to do the right thing, right? Oh, wow. Yes, right. Right? All right, here we go. Yes, Pastor John. Thank you. Now I feel so much better. If you're reading the Daily Bible, and I hope you are, you should be up to 10,096. Woo! Well, I think you should be up to 10,000. You know why I didn't go into accounting now? 1,096. If you're reading an e-book, you should be on August 26. I am. I'm past that. But here's the thing. Even if you're behind, do not get discouraged, okay? Keep reading. Keep reading. How can it not be profitable to keep reading the Word of God, right? And a little hint, this summer we will do, again, Q&A out of what you've been reading. Okay, so email me. Send them in. I know I didn't get to all of them last time. I hope you forgive me. If you're really still, he never answered that question, send it in. It can be retro, all the way back to Genesis 1-1. Just send it in, okay? So, Daily Bible. That's number three out of 27. I'm looking for four. Here it is. Tonight, prayer meeting, 6 p.m. And again on Sunday. Oh, no, that's today. Today. Sunday, May 6th. That'll teach me. That'll teach me to read straight off the script. Okay, Sunday, May six. That's today, tonight. We get two weeks in a row. I hope that I was hoping to, to build a little bit momentum. And since we're talking about that, the pray for one little stickers and the shirts. Let me just explain again why the the donations because somebody donated that and said we'll give any donation money to the food pantry. The pray for one is not about the food pantry, though. The pray for one is praying for one, someone who's outside the family of God that you put on your radar. And uh, timing is amazing to me. I'll I'll fill you in. But uh, there have got to be people. I know some of us have family members that we know are outside of Jesus, right? And uh, put them on the radar. And you're allowed to have two or three. 
The whole reason for this is because our history, well, let me, um, I actually brought it with me again, is the old prescriptions that we were given by the ministry mapping team when they came here. One of the first things we had to do was have a corporate and personal confession of sin and call to repentance, a solemn assembly. That was the one that happened before I was here. And on that list was apathy toward the unsaved. Which is why I keep, you know, saying I think unbelief in America is one of our besetting sins, you know, and it definitely has been here. Do we see the realities of eternity? So pray for one, um, you know, make a donation, get a shirt. I'm going to start wearing my shirt in the summer. I'm not preaching a tie in the summer, not around here. Everybody say, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> okay, anyway. And, uh, and the little uh, sticker or whatever, you know, those are nice to travel around with them. It's like, honk if you love Jesus. You know the story of the honk if you love Jesus, right? The guy comes up behind him, honking, honking, and the guy gets so mad. He gets out of the car, what are you doing honking at me, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, it said honk if you love Jesus, you know. That worked out real well, didn't it? Anyway, pray for one. They're not going to know how well you're praying. So just do it. It'll open doors to talk. And uh, that's the whole idea, get an opportunity to uh, minister to people who are outside the family of God. Number six, we have new members in our bulletin. Yay! Yay! And we've got more in the wings because we have some people who have to catch up on baptism, so that'll be fun. So that's coming. And uh, by the way, I just need to say, part of being a congregation and baptist churches are congregational churches you know what that means it means you all who are members have a say all right you have a say whether you think this pastor is a loser and ought to go somewhere or whether he is good and you want to keep him and if you want elders in place that's in the bulletin you're the ones who weigh in let me just say it's your responsibility to make your voice known and that includes with members. If somebody's name is in the bulletin who's a member and you happen to know that they're working for Al-Qaeda and nobody else knows that, you were, and it doesn't have to be that bad, you need to, you need to tell the pastors, right? I'm concerned about this, or this is a great person. We can't wait to have them, you know. That's why we're congregational. And I believe that is everything. I fibbed. There weren't 27 things. It was just... That many. Any questions? Everybody cool? Not really. It's humid in here, right? Put on the AC. You can, if, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. That'd be fine. If you have um, a Bible in the pew, uh, would you take one out? Or if you have your Bible on phone, that's fine, too. Yesterday, um, I and two of our pastoral staff, uh, our, our intern, Dave Cloer, and uh, Pastor Tim Strait, drove across the Hudson to assist in an ordination of one of our, in one of our sister churches at Fishkill Baptist. And uh, it's a completely different atmosphere these days. Look this verse up. Instead of the rustle of pages, right? So somebody, somebody actually, the guy that was being ordained, Mike Muir, is a great guy. He's the youth pastor over at Fishkill Baptist. He's got it all on electronic, you know. And for some reason, we had to look in the Bible, and we're looking through pages. And, oh, that was a source of humor, trying to find your way through pages, right? It's becoming a lost art. So once in a while, I like to provoke you to take out an actual book, the Bible, this one, or one that you've brought with you to look up the passage we're going to be reading. 
If you have trouble finding your way because you're new at this as a, as a new believer, the page number is 1136. 1136. It's Romans, the 12th chapter. And we're going to read from there in just a moment. Let me mention that we have been in a series on Grace Illustrated. And today's uh, sermon was in my queue for last week, but we had too many things going on last week, and so I saved it. Made an easy week for me. Thank you, Jesus. Once in a while, that happens. General principles about the grace of God. We've been looking at it. We surveyed everything we've covered so far. And one of the things is that God extends grace says to us. It's the same root word that we get grace from, charis, that God gives us grace. He rescues us, undeserved favor. Anybody remember uh, we quoted from Millard Erickson, grace means that God supplies us with undeserved favors, right? Eternal life is an undeserved favor. I was pondering that again this morning, just worthy as the lamb that was slain. I have not received what I deserve to receive. How about you? Do you understand that? I have not received what I should have received because of the grace of God. I've been rescued from that. And then every good thing and every good and perfect gift he gives us is rooted in his grace. It's not something we automatically deserve. It's because of the kindness and goodness of God. So... We want to talk today about a dimension of God supplying us with undeserved favors. Anybody ever heard of Rick Warren? Yeah, The Purpose Driven Life. Makes a great little track, by the way. We have copies. You can give them to friends that you're interacting with. Uh, what's that? It's not about you. Well, I hate that already. I haven't read it recently. It's not about me. Mm, mm. I'm surprised I'm not hearing groans. It's not about me. Actually, what is the chief end of man, according to the Westminster Confession, right? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. And we, we miss the point that glorifying him, serving him, doing his bidding is what fulfills us. What's the matter? Anytime my wife has a grimace on her face, I'm like, okay, what happened? What, what? Everything's okay, right? Okay. She's worried about air conditioning. It's getting humid, right? It is warm in here? Yeah, okay. We're, we're putting on some AC. Now I have to get louder? Okay. I don't know if I want to get much louder. Part of what I'm talking about is, is God has called us to be part of what he's doing in the universe. And he doesn't just say, here, figure it out. Like the way some parents used to teach their kids how to swim. I had that happen in my extended family. They literally went out in a rowboat, shoved them overboard. Figure it out. Thankfully, God doesn't do that to us. He provides graces for us. Graces. And so I want to teach a little bit for a few weeks because it's part of Grace Illustrated what God gives us. And I used a little picture here. He gives us tools, right? And we're going to talk about his toolbox, that there are different shelves in it. 
And uh, as we work our way through it, we'll talk about the different dimensions of the graces, the gifts of God. And you may recognize that the, the word for grace, giftings, is charismata. And those of us who have been in the church since like the 50s and 60s are immediately getting nervous and starting to sweat and say, what kind of teaching is going to come out of this raving fossil next? And hopefully everything that I teach you will be biblical and sound. And if not, uh, just move me along. Spiritual gifts is what we want to talk about. The word spiritual gifts, there's the first word that is translated it. In, that's a transliteration from Greek, charismata, which is simply the word grace, gift, grace, a grace. It's literally translated a grace. And so those are gifts that God gives. The other word that's used in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is pneumatica. Anybody figure out anything from that word? Pneuma? What does that sound like? You've heard of a pneumatic drill, right? It operates on air. And that's exactly the word air and spirit is interchanged in the Bible, right? Both in Old and New Testament. And so it's a spirit gift, pneumatica. Those are the two words that are used. For those of you who like to do homework and love studying scripture, there are four major texts about gifts. There's, these are not the only ones, but there are four of them that are the major ones we want to look at. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, it's easy, 12, 12, 4, 4. Or you can go 4, 12, 4, 12. Or you can go 12, 4, 12, 4. Like, you know, like 12, 4, good buddy, twice, or something like that. Easy to remember, though. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. I'm not going to try to unpack all of that today because I don't want to take the time. We're going to gather around the table and uh, worship the Lord and hopefully edify one another. And uh, whenever you talk about spiritual gifts, there can be drama, there can be confusion, there are different categories of gifts. Every writer and scholar on the subject will remodify it a little bit. A conservative Baptist pastor who, uh, Glenn, is Glenn here today? Yeah, Glenn. Your mom worked for Les Flynn, who wrote probably the classic CB book on the subject, The 19 Gifts of the Spirit. That was years ago. Um, and uh, other groups might have a few more listed in there. And some people are more exegetical and more accurate, and some are less accurate and more based on experience. It just depends. But basically, there are categories like this. There are leadership gifts. There are speaking gifts, there are serving gifts, and then there are those unusual gifts. Y'all know what I mean? Un well, you will later. <laughs> unusual, kind of unusual gifts. And I thought about this as we were getting ready uh, to begin this series, and I'm thinking, wow, are we ready to really start talking about spiritual gifts? But I always get kicked back to the reality that all Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that you, as the servant of God, might be thoroughly, completely equipped, that's the idea, to do good works. So I would like you to take your Bible, if you would. I'm going to read and... and um, uh, I'm going to ask you to stand with me, if you would. The Word of God, Romans, the 12th chapter. And by the way, you're immediately going to recognize, if you've been a Christian more than two years, you're going to recognize chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, most likely. 
which, by the way, is a great memory verse. If you haven't already memorized it, you should. Chapter 12, starting in the first verse. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith. If service in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching. He who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Is everything all right? Just checking. Let's pray. What I'm about to share, Father, is kind of standalone material that applies to every true believer. Doesn't matter what their gift is, and uh, it doesn't matter whether they know what their gift is yet. But it is something about how we enter into this process of utilizing the graces that you pour out upon us. So instruct us this morning, and uh, we'll thank you if you help us. I'm asking God in the name of Jesus that at Harmony you would continue to strive with your people. Continue, Lord, to speak into the hearts uh, of, your, of your children, helping them learn how to on one hand, rest in the fact that they are completely accepted in the beloved. And on the other hand, uh, to be spurred on to love and good deeds. Lord, you're the, you're the God of transformation. This very text that we're looking at speaks to our transformation. I don't want to be stuck where I was when I accepted you. In 1971, I don't want to stay there. I want to move ahead with more anticipation of how you are conforming me more and more to the image of your son. And I recognize that's a huge task, but I'm thankful for every step forward. Lord, would you draw your people forward in this wonderful journey to being conformed to the image of the one we worship today, especially around this table, the Lamb who was slain, who sacrificed himself on our behalf. It's in his name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the King of glory, that we pray for your help today. Amen. So we have this description of gifts. I'm not going to look at every text. Just that one, because it very nicely divides itself into three sections. So let me tell you where we're going. If you're a note taker, you have the notes there. We're doing verses 1 and 2, talking about right motives. 
That's the first thing. Verses 3 through 5, talking about right thinking. And verses 6 through 8 are talking about right action. Very simple. Because in order for the giftings that God has given us in the body of Christ to work effectually, you've got to have the right motive, the right thinking, and do the right actions. Otherwise, it derails. And by the way, it happens all the time. People exalt their particular gift or they they magnify it and they have this wrong thinking about everybody else's. Everybody else's gift ought to work their way. Well, that's impossible, actually. But we'll see as we move along. Let's start with the very basic, the introductory idea that we need to have at the beginning the right understanding, the right motive of why I'm involved. This great verse that says, be conformed, right? I urge you, by the mercies of God, make yourself available to serve him. That's given. It's your spiritual service of worship. The words are interesting. The word for, for spiritual, I, it doesn't quite come through. In the NASV, I prefer for most translations. This one is a little bit mixed. The Greek word is logikos. Logikos. Sensible. This is the sensible and reasonable thing to do. Your service of worship. And the word for serving is the word that is used for, like the priest, doing the order of service in the temple. It's worshiping. It's how we serve God in worship, right? In the New Testament, we worship God with our entire life. We engage fully with our entire life. So that is your reasonable service of worship. But here's the, here's the pesky verse. This is the verse you should, rec- you should uh, memorize if you haven't. Do not be conformed to this world. Have you ever heard this exegeted at all? Right? Okay, so I don't have to teach it? Oh. The word, don't be conformed, is the word where we get schematic. You look at a schematic. This is the way the electronics of this machine works, the schematic. God is saying to his people... Boy, I could dabble in this for about five hours. Don't be schematized. Don't use the world schematic. The world says it's what you're wearing. It's what kind of car you're driving. The world says you've got to have this. You've got to be green. You've got to this, that, and the other thing. The world's got all these schemas, all these schematics of what you ought to look like. If you fall for that, it's going to be very hard to be under his lordship. And let him tell you how your life should work, what you ought to spend your money on, where you ought to be. All of that. Don't let the world force you into its mold, I think the living used to say. Something like that. Don't let the world force it. Or maybe it was the message. Don't let the word, world force you into its mold. Don't be conformed, but rather be transformed. Who knows what that word is? Probably some of you do. Metamorphous, right? The metamorphous, the transformation, just like a uh, that icky caterpillar that comes out. I, I'm not squeamish, but for some of us, it's like, yeah, it becomes this beautiful butterfly, right? That's the language. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind, so that you may actually test out. When it says prove, the word is for testing. You can test out and know that you're in the will of God. Can I just be blunt 
how many saints are actually resting in, I know I'm in the will of God. I know it's a rough morning with this humidity, but think about that. Can I be? That, that's some of the joy that comes into my life as I know I'm in the center of his will. I made this call or I chose to do this and God has confirmed that I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, we've talked about that. You know, it's not about you, but the purpose-driven life, the whole point is, this is what I was made to do. And I can know that as a believer. I can know this is what I was wired to do. I'm enjoying this journey. It's not without challenge. It's not without growth. You don't have the gift and automatically everything's expert. I have the gift of preaching. I have this discussion with my staff and friends all the time. I'm, I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty okay. People say, oh, I think I'm just, I'm just being transparent here. This isn't about me. It really isn't. I, I, I heard you. It's not about me. I got it. Oh, I think you're a great preacher. Thank you. You're very nice. You're wrong. But anyway, I'm pretty okay. I'm pretty good. I'm not great. To be great requires more development of my gift than I've been able to give time to it. To be great at certain giftings, you have to develop them. And so I can receive a gift, but I need to develop it. And the way you develop it, here's the real trick. You have to do what it is, right? You got to serve. And that's how you start growing. It helps to grow. And if you're in the wrong gifting area, you'll figure that out pretty quickly. This just isn't working. I hate this. Anybody ever, I have to go, you know, I got to make the donuts. Remember that? Way back. Oh, boy, I got to go do that. We got to do that. None of you have ever said anything that, like that to your spouse going home from church on a Sunday, right? I'm getting these stares like, are you kidding me? That's the point. We're working out of our gifting. Now, some of the reasons often are churches that are struggling to get back on their feet, which, by the way, everybody's happy that we've been making some motion, right? We have been making some motion. I'm rejoicing in that. But, well, I'm going to get to the point. Everyone has to pick up their part of the load. So people step in sometimes where they shouldn't be stepping in. And uh, it's not in their gift. Sometimes they're doing it because they should, because it needs to be carried for a season. But really, we need somebody else with the right gift to get in there. And sometimes something isn't being supported because God's done with it and we're just not listening. That does happen. So the first thing is the right motive. I've got to have my mind renewed. And what is the renewal of my mind all about? His will. Am I available to God? I I love teaching on revival, but if I really wanted to teach on revival intensely, I'd need like five to six weeks to really explain it to you. But one of the great lines from revival instruction is, well, you've heard several. One is, if you want to pray for revival, draw a circle on the floor, get on your knees in that circle, and ask God to send revival down in that circle. Some of you hate what I'm saying today. I don't know. Anyway, and that's one. The other picture of it, which I really like, is when I am renewed in my spirit, my question, anything God asks me, yes, Lord, my answer to God is, yes, Lord, what's the question? Not tell me the question first, then I'll decide if I want to do it. If I'm really under the lordship of Jesus. All right, let me put the verse up. I might as well just put it up. 
This is parallel to a very famous prayer. Does anybody recognize this? Pray then in this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You're holy. You're glorious. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, do your will on earth, just not in my life. I've got control of it. Get out of my checkbook. Get out of my television schedule. Come on. Are these the things we don't deal with? Of course it is. Pray then in this way. And we're afraid, right? If we, if we say yes to God, if we make the dumb mistake of saying, okay, I want your will, Lord. Yes, Lord. What's the question? He's going to say, I'm sending you to the worst country in the world as a missionary. I mean, we know that, right? Probably not. I'm too old anyway, so it won't matter. So I can say yes, Lord, all day. You get what I'm saying? The point is, too many believers are running their own life and not, they're not taking the risk of letting God take over the management. What do you want in my life? What are you going to... By the way, has anybody ever noticed that when God starts to deal with you, it always involves pain? It does. It involves stretching and discomfort. So I'm going to let you in on something. Where I'm, I, this is a standalone. I can preach this message today. I'm going to be done in about 10 minutes, and we're going to have communion. I promise. Derek's got communion. If I'm not done in 10 minutes, get the hook. Pull me right out of here. So we started this hashtag. I wanted to say it's a standalone, and the reason I'm saying that is I will unpack all the, the, the gifts in a series, but I might have to take a hiatus. I'll explain why. So we started this hashtag pray for one. I've got some neighbors. I've been praying. I'm from upstate, and, and things are more relaxed. I've moved downstate. I grew up in the city, and now I feel like the city has come back to me. And making connections with people sometimes is hard. Has anybody ever noticed that? My neighbor will get out, get in his car. I mean, I'm right there, right there where Lou is. And they get out of the room here, he's right there, and they go, and get in their car, right? How many of you have ever had that happen here? Look at all the people who won't tell the truth. I don't understand you people. How many of you had that happen? You know what I mean. And I'm like, and I'm like this. I'm, if I'm Lou, I'm like, I'm sure they think I'm a JW or something, you know. And they won't even look at me. So I'm praying into this. So hashtag pray one. I needed that hashtag pray one for me as well as you. Are you, are you, are you with me in this? I'm not above you. We all have the same struggle. How do I get into this conversation without shoving it up their nose or something like that, right? And, and Right? So, yesterday the sun's out. I am not kidding. I connected incredibly with like seven of my neighbors. Now, no, 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 until they're born again and baptized and speaking in tongues, I don't want you applauding. So, all right, you get what I'm saying? Well, they don't have to do the last thing. It depends on their gift. We'll learn that in a few weeks. But anyway, here's the problem. My house went up for sale that I'm living in yesterday. I'm like, are you kidding me? Anytime you're going to grow, there's pain involved of some sort. You're going to get stretched. So it's a dangerous prayer to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. But I'm going to tell you, it's worth it. No pain, no gain, baby. Who goes to the gym here, right? You know what I mean. I mean, yeah. So, enough said. You have to check your own turf out, your own heart. Check your heart out. Are you really under his lordship? The problem with the church in America is we've got lots of people who profess faith in Christ. Very little lordship. Very little. There is a king. You're my king. Whatever the king says, I'm on duty. That's what's missing. So don't stay there because you're cheating yourself. The life you've always wanted is offered to us. We just don't believe it. We think we know better what we want. But see, our Father in heaven does know. Right motive is the first thing. The second thing is right thinking. Right thinking is the next section. Listen to this. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. That also, a brother told me one day, don't think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think either. People who are like, oh, I'm nobody. I have no right to, oh, cut it out. Step up to the plate. Be a man. You know, whatever. Unless you're a woman. Don't be a man. So, and I will say that. I don't care. Anyway, so, these days I could be in trouble already. But to think so as to have sound judgment as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, all the members do not have the same function. So we who are many are one body in Christ, but individually members one of another. Right thinking about the body. Healthy self-assessment, but respect for ourselves and others. I, of course, my gift is the most important one here. How come you don't get that? Are you following me? But see, we all tend toward that, right? Well, I know how to do this. I've got this. I know what to do here. Do you? Respect toward one another. That gift is necessary. When we get into the Corinthian text, the least gifts are the most necessary. In fact, let me read somebody you may have heard of, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Life Together, wonderful text. Listen to this. In a Christian, and by the way, this applies to having the right perspective. You can be one of those people, and I'm going to exhort, some of you do this. You think you can do everything. You need to stop. You think you can do everything. You need to stop. You think you are gifted to do everything, and you're not. And what happens is we start messing up other people's turf. So don't do that. In a Christian community, everything depends upon whether each individual is an indispensable link in a chain. Only when even the smallest link is securely interlocked is the chain unbreakable. A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. Those of you who don't have a job, I will restrain myself because the hook is coming. A community which allows stop it. A community which allows unemployed members to exist within it will perish because of them. It will be well, therefore, listen, if every member receives a definite task to perform for the community that he may know in hours of doubt that he too is not useless and unusable. We need that. I just read, because you know I'm getting up there. These guys are 
Larkin just retired, one of our reps, right? 90 years old. Sherry, don't say anything. Anyway, 90 years old. Still, what happens? They retire. What happens? Yes, they die. You have to know there's something I'm supposed to be doing. And if all you have is your job and not a kingdom perspective. You see, the kingdom perspective rescues you right there. It does. Anyway, there's always something to do because he's gifted me and, and the gifts of calling of God are without repentance. So I've got that to use. Every Christian community must realize that not only do the weak need the strong, but also the strong cannot exist without the weak. Ooh, the elimination of the weak is the death of the fellowship. Let me give an illustration of that. I know this guy's been in some trouble lately, and I don't think he's guilty, but Bill Hybels, I've mentioned him before. Here's this huge plant, thousands upon thousands of people getting born again in this church up in Chicagolands. I've been there multiple times. I remember him just making a comment one day about the importance of the smallest member on the team. He's driving into the parking lot, and a guy was cleaning out in the parking lot. It was one of the staff, which they employed tons of people. He stopped, rolled down at his window, and he said, how you doing today? And they chatted, and the guy was just so happy to be cleaning. He gets paid to serve the Lord in that place. He was just, and I'm sure he's not making major, you know, executive bucks there cleaning the parking lot. But as they interacted, he said, he, he, he noticed the guy's joy, and he said, um, listen, let me just tell you, this is so awesome. You keep doing what you're doing. I'll keep doing what I'm doing, and we're going to see thousands of people in heaven together because your part was just as important as my part. That's why I talk about ethos here. You people who do this every Sunday and ignore others around you, break out of it. Start acting like we actually care about people. Make believe. Okay? Just encouraging us. Right thinking about ourselves. Here's what the scripture says. Don't do anything from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, let each of you regard one another as more important than himself. Do not merely look out for your own personal interest. This is an act of the will, friends, not how you feel. I get up in the morning. I don't really care how you're feeling today. It's an act of the will for me to start thinking about the person in the congregation who's losing a loved one or they're grieving or whatever it is. It's an act of my will. That's what love is. It's an act of the will. It's not goo. Biblical love. Are you with me? Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, also for the interests of others. Have the attitude Jesus had, who made himself nothing so that we could become something. Amen? Amen. Last point, because the hook is here. Right action. Since we have different gifts, exercise them accordingly. Just do it. Well, <laughs> try to find, use it, but serve. Here's what another verse will say. For you were called to freedom, brethren, only don't turn your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love, what? Serve. What? Serve one, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word in the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Or there was something else Jesus said about do unto others something or other. You might recognize it. There's different giftings, but I have to first be available to God totally. That's why I'm not filled with the Spirit. I'm not really available to Him. I have to have right thinking about the body, not think I'm all that. It's not all about me. 
and not thinking everybody else is more important than me either. Having a right attitude. But then you just have to do it. Get up and start serving. We used to talk about before the days of power steering. If you want to turn the wheels on a heavy car, start rolling. It'll turn a lot easier than doing this. And that's how it works, discovering your gifts. Start rolling, and it'll be easier to say, oh, that ain't it. That's not working. Let me try this. Just try. Find something, put it to work, and see what happens. Gifts will help us to understand not only how to build the body, but it'll also help us understand how we're all wired a little bit different, because some gifts just frankly irritate me. Is that blasphemy? No, I'm telling you the truth, right? Certain gifts kick in. I'll I'll give an example. My wife has a strong mercy gift. My gift is prophetic. You want to know the problem with prophets? Everything's black and white. So that's wrong. I'm mad. My wife has a mercy gift. Oh, this person is in trouble. We have to help. Somewhere in the middle. And it's so annoying. And uh, so, but we have learned to let those gifts balance each other out. There are times she has to hear me and say, you're right. You're right. To help that situation would be a mistake. Over here, I have to listen. And men, you all remember my exhortation. Nine times out of ten, she's right. I hate that. Yeah, honey, you're right. We need to do something. That gift will give away the farm. This gift will never see the silver lining in the dark cloud. You get the point? There's this this gravitational pull. We'll learn about that and have fun with it and hopefully all love each other after I'm done teaching on it. So let's pray together. I'm going to turn it over to my brother Derek. Thank you, Jesus, for our gathering in freedom here today. I don't take that for granted in the world we live in. Help us to exercise our freedom by seeking your kingdom first in this life now. In Jesus' name, amen. Yes, thank you. Amen. So now we're going to turn to the whole background of where these gifts come from and why and how they have been made available to us through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we're going to serve communion. We're trying to do it in a slightly different way to make it a bit more, a bit quicker for distribution. So some of you will find yourselves being served from the front as usual. You, others of you at the back may find yourselves and the, the bread and the wine sort of appear from behind you, the row behind you. That's, we're starting some at the front, some at the back and working towards the middle. Also the bread and the wine will come past quite close to one another. When you receive the bread, eat it straight away. Pray your own prayers to the Lord, the body of Jesus given for you. When the wine comes along, hold that cup and we will drink together when everybody has been served. And as I say, they will be passed along the bread and then the wine in the same direction. Um, And we've got more servers to help with this, so we, we hope it'll all work fairly smoothly. Could those who are serving come and then sit in the front row, please? Okay.
Uh, we're one short. Um, one, two, three. Tim, thank you. Gets complicated because the servers have to know which quarter of the hall they're serving. Um, so that's explained that. So after the explaining the mechanics, let's get down to what it's all about. And I'm not going to preach another sermon. Dear, oh dear. <laughs> we had a conversation in the car on the way here. Uh, don't preach another sermon. And don't say that to the church, it's embarrassing. <laughs> um, if you know any good marriage counsellors, I think we need... I think we probably need two. One for John and Shree and one for Carolyn, for Carolyn and myself. <laughs> Oh dear. And after we have served communion, there will be an opportunity for you with a roving mic so we can hear you. There will be an opportunity for you to share. This will be after communion, after you've had a chance to reflect, to meditate, to worship God. What's God's grace been doing in your life? This is not a sort of good news session, all oh, my auntie's big toes better, praise the Lord. This is What's God's grace doing? What's God doing in you? What's, what's the Lord spoken to me about this week? So there will be that opportunity, if you want to think about that, as we share communion. That will be just for a couple of minutes, very brief, after communion. In Matthew 26, Jesus wanted to share the Passover meal. They prepared the Passover. And so Jesus is with his disciples. It's a Jewish festival. It's praising God. It's thanking God for deliverance in the past. It's focusing on God. It's a time for family. It's a time to be together. It's a time for fellowship. And Jesus was reclining at the table with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly, I tell you, one of you will betray me. What? They're in the middle of a Jewish celebration. They're eating a meal together. They're just hanging out with one another. And he drops this bombshell in. One of you is going to betray me. I bet you've got to cut the atmosphere with a knife and talk about something that's inappropriate and, and counter to what's going on. But it wasn't inappropriate. Yes, it was seemed to go against all that Jesus, all that was happening around in the Jewish Passover, but Jesus knew what he was talking about. And of course, all the disciples said, oh, is it not me? What, what are you talking about? Come on, we're all here. And we know the story. Judas, the one who dipped his hand in the cup with Jesus. Satan had already entered into Judas to betray him, to betray Jesus. And yet we see through this tragedy in one sense, it could be seen as a tragedy, but it's not through this loss, through this pain, through this death. What do we have? Well, Jesus then takes the bread and says, this is my body. This is my body which is given for you. Yeah, there's betrayal. There's betrayal on this plate. This is for you. My body is going to be taken, abused, killed. But it's for you, Jesus said. And then he says that he took the cup. 
This is the cup of the new covenant. There's a new agreement. It's sealed in my blood. The seal proves it's genuine. You put a seal on a document, this proves it's got somebody's signet ring on, as I used to do. This proves it's genuine. The blood of the new covenant, the shedding of blood, proves this works. And as it says in this chapter, it is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So there is forgiveness in the cup. I don't know about you, but who do you find it harder to forgive, other people or yourself? Mm, yeah, yeah, hmm, okay. Perhaps it's the morning for you to forgive yourself. You've been beating yourself up over something. Perhaps it's the morning to work towards forgiveness. Lord, I'd want to forgive this, but it's so bad I can't get there, but please help me, I want to move, move me along in that direction. Great. Wherever you're at, allow, ask God to move you further. But as we eat the bread and as we drink the cup, let's remember it's the Lord's death we proclaim because that's the end of it. Yeah? It's the Lord's death that we proclaim until he comes. And he doesn't want to drink it again until he, until he drinks it with us, us in the kingdom. That's what he says to his disciples. There is a future kingdom. We're part of it already and we celebrate not just that we're forgiven from the past, that we're living by faith in the present and we're destined to see the fullness of the kingdom in the future. This is all that it is, past, present, future, a celebration. So let's just pray and then we will serve the bread and the wine. Father, we want to give you praise and thanks. That, Lord Jesus, you suffered abuse, you suffered death, you suffered separation from Father, and you did it for us. And through that there is forgiveness. Lord, as we take this bread, we just thank you that your body was given for us. There's betrayal in this plate. You were betrayed. Would we have been any different? How can we say? But, Lord, we just want to say thank you that you gave your life for us. Amen. So remember, the bread comes, eat the bread, make your own prayers with God, and then as the wine comes, hold the, hold the cup of wine in your hand, and we will all drink together after we've all been served. So the four people who are actually going to be taking the bread and the plates, if they'd like to step forward, Tim, that includes you. <laughs> Hallelujah.
quite often, when we drink the cup, Pastor John says to the king and to the kingdom, and we reply, there is a king. So let's say that again. To the king and to the kingdom, there is a king. Let's drink together. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So, we've shared together. We've renewed our vows, as it were, to the Lord. Anybody got something to share of God's grace? We have to be quick because we haven't got long. If so, put your hand up. If not, we will close. Angela. Yesterday was my father's funeral. And I want to thank the Lord for his grace and mercy in his life and in ours. My dad faced a lot of internal struggles through most of his life. And about halfway through his life, two wonderful things happened. Uh, First was that he and my stepmother really came to the Lord, though they'd been raised in church. And he pursued Steve and me. The Lord did through my dad, which helped to set us on a path of faith that has trickled down now even to our little little grandchild, his great-granddaughter. The other thing was that um, first my stepmother and then he uh, became involved in a 12-step program and for more than 35 years they've participated, which has touched so many lives. My dad and his brokenness, of course, it happens, inflicted some wounds in our lives and yet we had a loving relationship. So yesterday was an opportunity for me in tribute to him and to the Lord, uh, be able to eulogize him. But first, uh, many people came forward to share what he'd meant to them. So, and from all the different aspects of his life, the church, the program, other, other areas. So what I want to say is a word of encouragement. First of all, thank the Lord for his grace and mercy that has such incredible power in our lives. And please do not neglect to share God's love and mercy and the truth of his word every opportunity you have. Thank you. Amen. Anybody else? We've got one minute. Going. Go on then. <laughs> Hello. I'm just really excited to, I, I, I kind of have this sense of movement of the spirit here. And uh, that is definitely an act of grace. And uh, even just, just being up here and, and singing with you on a Sunday morning and just feeling just the engagement from you guys with our Savior, our King. It, it's, it's just, it's, it's moving me. It's just something I, I, I want to see us continue to pursue and chase. And, and just as he's pursued us for so many years, I, I, uh, I don't know. It's exciting, and yet it's just the beginning of what is possible here. And uh, let's keep chasing him. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Let's stand and pray together as we go. Lord, thank you that we've been able to remember. Thank you that we're not remembering a a dead historical figure, but we're remembering a living Lord who's coming again and who, in whose kingdom we have a part because of your grace. Lord, we worship you. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy. Lord, as we've heard this morning, thank you that your grace abounds 
in difficult situations, in painful situations. We pray, Lord, for those, uh, our families who are undergoing grief at the moment. Lord, as we've heard, just touch them afresh. For some, it's very, very raw. But may your grace be there. And Lord, we say amen to what Mike shared. Lord, move upon us by your Spirit. Father, enable us to grab hold of the gifts that you're giving us, to use them for your glory. And may we see a a growing move of your spirit here. We are not worthy, but we cry out to you because you're a God of grace. So be with us today. May we walk in fellowship with you and one another. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.